0: Hello world and welcome to the Overtone Warp Zone. This podcast is for people who enjoy games, love music, and want to know more about how their favorite songs work. In Season 1, we're taking a look at musical concepts found in pieces from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm Dan Bergman, and let's get started. Think about how many characters the company Nintendo has created or featured on their platforms over the years. Yeah, probably a lot. According to the Super Mario Wiki, there are something like 1,800 characters appearing in games in the Mario universe alone. Holy smokes! With that many characters, certainly some are bound to end up becoming forgettable and lost to time, such as Alex from the handheld Mario Tennis games. Others become so popular that they end up striking off on their own effectively making their own spin-off series in which they are the protagonists. One of the first to do so would be the hero Yoshi, who is included as part of the Yoshi series for Smash Bros. Ultimate's purpose, and not part of the Mario series. In this episode, we'll take a closer look at this lovable green dinosaur. And to start us off, let's hear a remix of a song from his debut game. This song is based off one of the first level themes from Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo, where you start on Yoshi's Island. This is Athletic Theme, whose remix originally appeared in Smash Bros. Melee, remixed by Hirokazu Ando. This one gives me those nostalgia feels. As a character, Yoshi was conceptualized around the time of Super Mario Bros. in 1985. Apparently inspired in parts from Shigeru Miyamoto's love of horse riding and the Dragon character from 1984's Devil World, Miyamoto tried hard to get Yoshi in at least by Super Mario Bros. 3. Alas, the team was unable to make this dream a reality, in part because of the limited technology of the NES. Finally, with the launch of the Super Nintendo and its flagship release title Super Mario World, Yoshi was unveiled to the world as a major character. As we mentioned before, the Brothers Mario start their journey on Yoshi's Island and encounter the Yoshis almost immediately. The reception of the character was so positive that this game's sequel, Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island, made the Yoshis the main playable characters who care for baby versions of the Mario Brothers. Throughout the series, Yoshi has a number of different abilities, most notably using his tongue. He can eat enemies or objects, converting them into egg projectiles to launch at other enemies. Often, the item in his mouth gives him additional abilities, such as flight, fire breath, or watermelon seed machine gun action. He is one of the original characters with the ability to ground pound. He can form an egg around himself for protection, and he has a flutter jump where he kicks his tiny little feet to provide a little extra boost in height, which is an infamous and unique double jump in the Smash Bros. series. Yoshi's voice has also changed over the series. From these original SNES and early N64 sounds, to composer Kazumi Tataka's excellent voice acting. But even today, when a character jumps on Yoshi, the same sound comes out as from the original Super Mario World. (coughs) Speaking of that game, let's listen to the original Super Nintendo version of this song, composed by Koji Kondo. So for today's episode, we... Hang on. Did you hear that other instrument come in? Some bongos were added to the mix that weren't there before. In case you weren't aware, this is part of the dynamic soundtrack of Super Mario World. When Mario or Luigi hops on Yoshi, bongos begin to play. Now we can talk about the topic of the episode. Instrument personification Instrument personification is a term that, as far as I can tell, I completely made up. <sighs> However, in concept, it's a real thing. Let me tell you a little bit about it, and maybe some of you folks out there who know about a better term that actually exists can let me know about it. What I mean by instrument personification is that a person, place, or thing is signified to the listener by the introduction of a musical instrument that has been given the significance within this medium. There's a similar concept called leitmotif, where a motif, which is a small musical fragment, can signify the appearance of a person, place, or thing, but since we're talking about instruments and not specific melodies, harmonies, or rhythms, it's not quite the same thing. I would think the best possible example of this is in a classical production you probably heard as a kid. This piece is, in fact, one of the most performed classical works in history. Sergei Prokofiev's composition from 1936, Peter and the Wolf. Peter and the Wolf is described as a symphonic fairy tale for children, which features a narrator who tells said story. It's a short piece, relatively speaking, about 25 minutes, and it's really quite something to read about the significance of the story as it relates to the sensibilities of early 20th century Soviet Union, but that's not what we're here to talk about. In the story, there are seven different characters, each of which are represented by a different instrument in the orchestra. There are performance directions from Prokofiev himself that instruct ensembles to give a demonstration of the corresponding instruments before the performance proper begins, so as to better bring the children's attention to those instruments and more deeply understand them. Those characters and instruments are the bird, represented by a flute, the duck, represented by an oboe, The cat, represented by the clarinet. Peter's grandfather, represented by the bassoon. The wolf, represented by three French horns. The gunshots of the Hunters, represented by timpani and bass drum. And Peter himself, represented by the whole of the string section. Throughout the piece, the instruments come in and out of the story just as the characters do according to the narration. We've been set up to think of the bassoon as a grumpy old man, or the French horns as a ferocious wolf, or the strings as a youth bounding with energy. Of course, none of those instruments inherently have those personalities, we've just attributed those personalities to them. Thus, my term, instrument personification. One of the best examples of this concept in video games is actually in The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. If you haven't beaten the game, this section may contain spoilers that you want to avoid. Let's get into it. The eccentric Bolson of Bolson Construction, from whom Link buys and upgrades his house, has an employee named Hudson, who is sent off to develop a land far away, all on his own. When you meet up with Hudson on his little piece of land slowly chipping away at some piles of rocks he unveils his grand dream of the future to found a brand new town Terrytown to be exact But he needs Link's help For one, a town is no good without people stuff and houses for those people and that stuff So Link is tasked with not only collecting all the necessary lumber but finding some skilled laborers Someone strong enough to move the boulders Someone who can fix Hudson's ratty work clothes And someone with connections who can supply a general store The only problem is, legally, employees of Bolson Construction have to have names that end with sun, Son So finding those people is a difficult task What results is a beautiful side quest that brings misfits from all walks of life together in a new and exciting home This is not a village for the Hylians or the Gerudo or the Gorons this is a home for anybody. And as people move in, the music changes. You find Grayson the Goron working away in the Goron Group Mining Company. But he just feels that his work is without meaning. The thought of pioneering a new village is such a wonderful thought to Grayson that he and his son, Pellison, immediately move to Terrytown to help in its construction. As you continue to return to Terrytown to help Hudson out, you might notice the music has changed. We have a marimba line as well as some really boisterous trombone lines slatting around and being obnoxious. Well, if you listen to the Goron City theme, you might recognize something. of the Gorons are infused in the Terrytown theme by virtue of their instruments being added to the collage of the town's theme. And they share more than just the fact that they're instruments. Listen to the exact melody of the marimba in the Goron City theme. And now listen to it in the Terrytown theme. See, same line. As you can guess, more characters of the different races cities come to find their home in Hudson's slowly growing hamlet. The next to join is Ronson of the Gerudo, a talented tailor. Here's the Gerudo Town theme, And here it is when added to the mix at Terrytown. That stringed instrument that we hear is a dulcimer. Interestingly, the melody that was infused into the Terrytown tune is actually played on the flutes in the Gerudo Town theme. Next to join Hudson's town is the Rito, Fison, who dreamed of running away and starting his own general store, instead of carrying on the family general store business in his home in Rito Village. Here's the theme of Fison's hometown. He joins Terrytown. this is what it sounds like same theme but shifted in terms of time signature key and tempo to fit fison's new home the reader are represented here by the clarinet By this point in the story of this side quest, the town is starting to bustle and is almost complete. And it seems that true love has blossomed between two of the town's founders, Hudson and the Gerudo Ronson. In order for a proper marriage ceremony, they need a suitable priest. This is found in the character of Capson, a Zora who wishes nothing more than to see young couples be united in wedded bliss. This is the theme of Capson's hometown of Zora's Domain. And here is the new Terrytown theme In this case, the Zora theme, which is less melodic than the other town themes, has an acoustic guitar finger-picking its way through the atmospheric sound tapestry, and it likewise serves as a support role for Terrytown's theme. The marriage of Ronson and Hudson seems to be a fitting conclusion to the tale of the founding of Terrytown. The backing track consists of organ and piano, and while the instruments of the other characters' races are absent, the melodies that formed from those instruments joining the town theme are still there. It's like this wedding ceremony is a community event, and so while it is all about the ceremony of the happy couple, the relationship couldn't exist without the village that grew up around them. the wedding, the town is complete, and the final rendition of its theme is the fullest it's ever been. There's a new instrument, by the way, the Ulian Pipes, which are kind of like bagpipes. We find them in Hateno Village's theme, where you first find Hudson in the game. You might wonder why this theme was the last to be added to the mosaic of Terrytown's motifs. Well, when you talk to an emotional Hudson after the wedding, he tells us Terrytown looks like a real town at long last. He can finally rest in this thing he strived so hard to build. He put the needs of others in town before his own, just like the themes of the other settlers of Terrytown found their place in the bigger picture before his did. Has there ever been a side quest so beautiful? Oh, uh, we we're supposed to be talking about Smash Bros. music. So, um, Yoshi, bongos. Yep. Okay, back on track. <clears throat> Whenever you hop on Yoshi in one of the Mario games, a layer of bongos or a similar percussion joins the theme. This is found in virtually all Mario games that feature Yoshi since Super Mario World. Once again, here it is in that game. The athletic theme without Yoshi... with Yoshi. The next game to feature Yoshi and his famous bongos is Super Mario Sunshine. Here's the Delfino Plaza music without Yoshi. And now with Yoshi. It's also a new Super Mario Bros. Wii. Here's the level 1 music without Yoshi. And with Yoshi. Well, okay. In that one, they add some kind of different percussion, but it's there nonetheless. It sounds like maybe djembe and cuica. Here's a piece from Super Mario Galaxy Two without Yoshi, and now with Yoshi. This one's interesting because there are definitely some pieces of music that break the grand orchestral mold of the two Galaxy games. And this theme we listen to, which is Yoshi's Planet, is one of those cases. It's got a Latin bluesy feel to it with an emphasis on the saxophone. Now if we bring Yoshi on an epic mission to defeat the final boss of the universe, it might sound a little more like this. This is Bowser's Galaxy Generator without Yoshi. and with Yoshi. Those bongos have been replaced by some pretty meaty, bassy tom drums. It's not the cutesy, quirky Yoshi we're used to. Two more. It's a new Super Mario Bros. U, Here's the level in music without Yoshi. And with Yoshi. Same deal as for the Wii U, we have different kinds of percussion here. We also have something else. Some singing baby Yoshis. This harkens to the voice Kazumi Totaka has given Yoshi, and also to the singing Yoshis at the start of the N64 title, Yoshi's Story. Last but not least, we also have it in Super Mario Maker and its sequel, most notably being added to stages where Yoshi never followed Mario, such as Boo's Mansion or Bowser's Castle. Here's the haunted house theme on its own, and here it is with Yoshi. Of the bongos here really makes it sound authentic to the Super Nintendo version. This thing I call instrument personification can be used as simply as it is in the case of Yoshi, where the instrument adds a layer of game feel that accentuates the idea of the personality and abilities of a character. It can also be used in as complex a case as Tarrytown, where the very instrumentation of a song in and of itself can tell the story you're experiencing. In any case, this is another tool in the composer's toolbox that can add a layer of immersion that wouldn't otherwise be there. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast or suggestions of a song or music topic. Leaving a rating or review on your podcasting platform is a great way to share that with me and helps Overtone Warp Zone gain some exposure. You can stay up to date on podcast news by visiting the website overtonewarpzone.com. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast and want to give your support, check out my Patreon at patreon.com overtonewarpzone. Until next time, Keep playing.